Scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who and OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. Hello, this is Jason Dupree and Mike DeStefano, and this is OCR Talk. Thanks for listening in. This is the World's Toughest Mutter episode. Me and Mike are headed back to the, oh, thanks. Yeah. Headed back to uh, drop Mike off at the airport. We've had, uh, you know, the fun eventful weekend, and we're going to chat a little bit about the uh, the race itself, and then get into some of the nitty gritty with the technical stuff. Yeah, lots of fun, lots of of the sun in texas yeah it it was warm it started off warm and got cool that night and saw a lot of people that were wearing wetsuits and whatnot you know anybody pretty much anybody that was walking was wearing stuff to stay warm but i know even some other people that were walking were getting warm on that first half of the lap because the there wasn't a lot of water on the first half yeah, a lot of people dealing with some hydration issues too, with um, excessive sweating. And I talked to a lot of elites, and I actually brought up you in your previous episode talking about the uh, those sweat tests. Me, and I'm like, you should probably get yourself one, especially if you're looking to make that next step and, and, and climb those leaderboards. Yeah, I've tried to share that with a lot as many people as I could too, because if they talk about feeling just all the symptoms that I've experienced, like bloated stomach and uh, lightheadedness and that kind of stuff, and yeah, uh, sometimes it's more salt, sometimes it's less salt, but until you get like a task, it's kind of just playing around you, you know, it's tough to figure out by yourself. Yeah. Here, hold it here so it's like in the middle of the Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, and uh, people that were moving didn't need wetsuits at all. Yeah. Um, I feel like I was trying to picture myself in the race and, and how, what I would have done. It was like, I feel like if I would have kept moving, I wouldn't have needed a wetsuit but there's definitely times that I probably would have wanted it like going through you know after down up uh, or not i didn't jesus uh the tube the tube one that was in ice water yeah uh, melting point yeah melting point and augustus glue cage crawl augustus glue uh those you're getting submerged basically and i know with that wind the way the wind was it would have been would have been chilly because that's what i did in 21 is i brought a uh neoprene jacket with me and i would wrap it around my waist and look like a dope probably but whenever i got to the i say you know cooler and when i got to the water obstacles i'd put it on and take it off as soon as i started getting warm again yeah i, I like to i like the cold i like to get a little numb i have enough <laughs> I have enough body fat to keep my core warm but uh, i lose feeling in my, my hands and toes and uh and just kind of keep it going and i'm probably not having uh, good upper body strength that late in the night anyway so you know evan talked uh with miranda and ac on his podcast on strength and speed and he was saying that he doesn't bother with like neoprene socks or um really even 
the super heavy glows. Like he does plug mitts and stuff, but he said that he just deals with his fingers and toes getting numb. Yeah, I know. I wear just one pair of uh, mud gear socks the entire time. I don't bother changing my socks. Don't bother changing my shoes. Um, he also said like with the neoprene socks, they turn into like little squishy water balloons all the time. That's what he said, but I've not experienced that. Yeah, I've, I've actually had extreme success with uh, neoprene socks. Okay. And to me, it's worth it to get that extra warmth in your feet. You're also, a, a, you know, an advocate for two pairs of socks, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. that with, uh, with those, anyway, no, your, your nasty socks. Yeah, like I didn't get any blisters. Now, I did yeah. get like the whole trench foot, like creases in my in my feet from all the wrinkling that I had to deal with. I could put a, like I kept lubing up my feet over and over for that purpose later on in the race, but I didn't get any blisters. Okay. Uh, but my shoes were also falling apart. So I think that was a big part of why my feet were having issues is because I was moving around more than I would normally with a, a you know, a pair of shoes that's tight and, and working properly. Like my foot was basically coming out of the side of one of them. Yeah, no, that makes <laughs> sense. And then how, cut to the chest, how much mileage did you get? For, for being the rabbit and doing all the things that you were doing. I did 45 miles in total. I kept my watch running from the very beginning. And um, it was funny because I'm I'm part of a... I, I do a workout with a group called F3. It's a all-men uh, free workout group that... It's all over the nation, but the, you know we have a little, pretty little tight-knit group in the, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so you, you make a lot of good friends and everybody takes turns um, we're leading the workouts, which is why it's free. Uh, but in November we do a challenge called miles of Merkins and Merkins, everything, everything's got its own little name. So Merkins are pushups. And so my, um, Mer Merkins or American Merkins. Okay. Merkins. It's probably, a, you know, yeah. America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's to get miles for my team. Cause we're all on a team for miles of Merkins. And I was like, well, I'm gonna, you know, it starts in November and World's Toughest is ready to begin in November. So I'm definitely going to track my mileage so I can get, get that. And also the mileage, if you don't get the round number, it doesn't count. Okay. So at the very end of it, <laughs> we were like, uh, how, who, who else needs, you know, who else do we want to catch running in? And so when Will and Francesca told me, uh, that we're good. There's nobody else that we're really watching out for. So I was finally like, oh, let me look at my watch. I was at 44.8, I think. And I was like, well, I, I got to round out this mile. Yeah, I'll let <laughs> go back out. Um, You also rounded out the mile when we had a return the following day too, to pick up that, that uh, those cameras that were left. On yeah, we left uh, accidentally, you know, packing up. We had three cameras still out on course and Squiggle Toes, Operation, and Augustus Glute. Yep, and thankfully they had already picked up the one from Operation. We could have drove there, but the Operation and um, for Twinkle Toes. Yeah. Um, so I had to run out to Augustus Glute to get that one, and I figured it's, it's a bit it's about half a mile over there, so I went ahead and started my watch. Nice. Yeah, I got nervous when I got the Twinkle Toes, and you're like, you see it? I'm like, ah. oh, no, no, I don't see it. That, that was not it. I'm going to make sure that we're going right, right away. Yeah. All right, let's hold it like Okay. Oh, for the GPS? Yes. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't think it matters too much which way the, the mic is facing. Like, uh, race was exciting. The, you know, the men's race was nuts. Uh, back and forth, uh, Michael should, uh, dropping out and then getting back in, uh, get taking like three hours of sleep. Is to get nine miles? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's nuts. Animal. I would be. I mean, I was told to keep an eye out from uh, for him from uh, Thomas Peterson. So <laughs> much, much appreciated that tip. And uh, yeah, it was hard to not pay attention to him. Yeah. And you, and even it came down to what third and fourth place was exciting. Yeah, it was between oh dear God, Joe Cato. I can't think of his name right now. Really sorry. And then uh, Josh Fiore. Josh Fiore was in the lead by like two minutes, and then was passed up. And and Josh didn't realize it, which was um, some emotions at the end of the finish line. But he was very respectful and appreciated, a good competitor, and they knew each other beforehand, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and Josh Fiore had. He he believes he broke his rib at some yeah. points. Twinkle toes. He so fell. He definitely had a couple of. Oh, it was on twinkle toes. Yeah, he, he fell on that board. Fell. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard a couple other broken ribs on other obstacles too. Jeez, one of the people helping out on Everest. Uh, apparently, he broke two ribs from helping all people all night. Wow. Uh, I saw the bruising and that looked nasty. So yeah, I mean, he ran. I don't know how many laps, but at least a couple like that you know with that rib i think it was two or three laps with a broken rib and he was still pushing to fight for third place yeah so i know he was suffering hard yeah and that awesome day is i the win for the men uh where it was in canada uh super nice guy it's a respired guy too which yeah, that's another fun fact he's just yeah it's rubik's cubes and works for the, the government super smart and he was he and he just had a, a good clean race i think yeah, like he just was smooth and fast, and really didn't really seem like he had many issues. So I think Giles said that he had only failed two obstacles. Yeah, and I know. Uh, wait, Joe said the same thing that he only failed two. Which that's pretty impressive. It was uh, at least a tough ones out there, especially over you know the duration of the event. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, Evans usually one to be able to get through all the obstacles. I didn't ask him how his obstacle proficiency was. So I saw him at, saw him at Dingleberries, and he was not having a good time. I saw him there when it first opened up. I'm like, what'd you think? And he put a thumbs down, blew a raspberry, and said, nope, I'm not, we all right. He's not a, not a fan. Uh, I, I heard that last year it was ropes, and this year it was ratchet straps. Yeah, the cargo. It up for your hands. Right. Cargo, that cargo netting is very rough. Yeah. So that was, I could see why that tore people's hands up. And then those, the strapping... You know, it's still like a cargo net, but it's strapping instead. So you just get a different, because you get the edges on that yeah. as opposed to the roughness of it. Same with uh, barrel chested, right? That was, was that a ratchet strap too? Yeah, but that's typical for that obstacle. Yeah. Uh, and I remember in 21 not having any real issues with it. So it's hard to hard to say, but it is, yeah, when we did it. It's tough in the end, yeah. yeah. But also, I don't know, maybe, maybe it being getting wet helps kind of loosen it up a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Or also thinking with it being a ratchet strap, and I have no real build crew experience. You think that would have made it easier for them to continue to to make it tighter? Because I know for watching the the live stream towards you know the middle of the night, people were dragging in the water still. Yeah, I wonder if they ever did it. Like that would have been something I told I would I would have told a volunteer. You know, crank these down every once in a while. But right. maybe it's not appropriate for the volunteer to do that because it's right. I don't know. I can say that being an issue too. Yeah, people were definitely hanging in the in the water. Yeah, yeah. it's funny because they said if anybody park goes in there, and we're with uh, James Delverde, who said, uh, like, "What about my hair?" Yeah, and he was worried about that because he's got he's got long hair, so he braided it, and he said he was just going to keep it in his mouth as he did that obstacle. Which I would have loved to see a picture of that. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely one of the the consistency of the 
minutiae of the rules right. was definitely not the best. Agreed. You know, one of the few few criticisms I have about the race is that, and I know that's a hard one to do. It's hard yeah. for them to get right because you've got volunteers that you're teaching this stuff, but they may not know, like, this is what you typically see at World Stuff is because yeah. we've done it multiple, you know, some of those people have been there a lot, but then others haven't and they're new to it. So the, the I, volun- I interviewed as many volunteers as I, I could. And, uh, I'd say about half of them that I talked to were not from the top water community. I've never done a top water before, which first of all, thank you for coming out. Yeah, I was, that, that's usually important, but also like they were lesser prepared and I don't think TMHQ did the best job, like informing them of what they were supposed to do. Um, at least in, in Dinkleberry's a volunteer is great, but like he didn't know what to do. So I reminded TMHQ like, Hey, he's new here. He doesn't know what he's doing. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And from doing all the live streams and having lots of rabbit volunteers I, I know firsthand how hard it is to to get that right right yeah it's not easy whatsoever but the the championship event i you know, gotta, gotta work on that a little bit but for the most part i'm, I'm very impressed with, with with tmhq with what they pulled off um considering the hot lap did we do we mention that there was wasn't much for the hot lap though yeah that was wild uh hot lap there all all the obstacles were not built they less than half were built yeah you know. And even, you know, the obstacles didn't open till certain times mm-hmm. during the race. And they were definitely still building while the race was going on. But yeah. I think I would have been a little frustrated if I, if I paid for the hot lap too. And there was like nothing open. But I, I, I did. It also been tough too. Cause like as a media, they're like, oh, like go to that obstacle. I'm like, I don't remember that obstacle. I ran the course, <laughs> the hot lap, but like that obstacle was not a thing. Like the whole, uh, uh King of Swingers. What do they call it for this one? Uh, like, uh, when you jump out, well, well clung. Okay. Well clung. Didn't see that once, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. I guess it just wasn't on that side of the, the course as much. And there were some that there was, I know there was one, it was actually uh stog and dirt that was being dug while we were on the course, a brow hot lap. So it was hard to tell it. Like, is anybody got the map out? What is that? What is yeah. this? Yep. And we're, you know, we're out there doing the, the, the live stream of the hot lap and we're, <laughs> We're just as confused, which is, it is difficult too. So, yeah. Uh, I did, I did make sure to tell Giles, I didn't get a t- chance to tell Chris, but I told Giles that everybody from Tough Mudder that we worked with was, they, everybody was great. Uh, there wasn't a single person that I was like, man, they could have been better. Shout out to the, the Wi-Fi guy. Sorry. Yes, yeah. yeah, He was great. Sam was their IT guy. Yep. Um, so, uh. Yeah, we'll we'll get into the technical side of that, but Sam saved our, our bacon. Yeah, like a couple times. <laughs> and then uh, he would also, like, even when nothing was wrong, he would still come over and just check. Yeah, just double check. Appreciated. There were actually two people, and I, I can't remember what the other guy was, too. Oh, the, 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 just the timing guy. The timing guy came Roll. over and was like, hey, just a heads up, like, your time is off by, like, 30 seconds. Just so don't want anyone to see it, because your live stream was on the, the Jumbotron. Yeah, which is pretty cool. We didn't want people... Uh, tripping up on that. Although it did trip someone up. I don't know if you heard about Kelly Schweikart's uh, pit crew. No. They were watching the live stream. They're like, all right, she's coming. She's coming. She's close. And then she finished. And they're like, oh, <laughs> shit. So Kelly like, finished and there was like no one there. Uh, and then they came over like shortly after. Uh, but I know that. <laughs> yeah, so nobody, so a lot of people didn't realize that it was on YouTube. With eyes. Um, I think there's a setting for low latency, but so that might be something worth looking into because we don't really have a reason 
yeah. to have it be a delay to YouTube. Right. It makes like we we kind of have to have a delay with the the video that's going to the live production. Yep. Uh, but that's just because you need a little bit of latency to help make sure that the, all the data is, it has time to get there. Right. And I think if we don't have the chance to tire that out, um, uh, a grant that could be good, just like a heads up periodically, like, hey, this time isn't official. Like, even just if it's a small asterisk, asterisk, can it say that word? Um, just because, like, you know, Will and Francesca were doing a great job saying, like, hey, just keep in mind, this clock's not the same. But the pit crew that are watching the Jumbotron, yeah, they, don't uh, hear the they can't hear that. Yeah, exactly. But how did it feel to see the the uh, the live stream on the Jumbotron? Did they do that last year? No, that yeah. was extremely awesome. Very cool. Um, I think we had, you know, talked about ways to allow the pit crew to be able to see it. And the easiest thing was just say, I'm gonna bring a big TV and just we'll we'll put, set up another table and have it facing the the pit, and and I I think it was just maybe uh, Chris told Will it was like, hey, do y'all have the link for the YouTube feed and yeah, and so they they discussed it a little bit and uh, they're like, yeah, if we give you the YouTube or feed and you throw that, I mean, if you're just because they just have a a laptop hooked up to it, right? So yeah, that first time I. Walked out and saw it up there. It was awesome. They yeah. Jump up and down. Here we go. The, the, the pit crew. It was, it was cool to say. I was a little thrown off by like, that's when I first noticed like how much the delay was. I'm like, why does it say, why does it look like we're over here? Yeah. Yeah, we were, we were right over there. <laughs> but even for the Tough Mudder crew, Chris mentioned that it was good for them because he needs to know what's going on on course. Yeah. And he can't just drive out on course all the time. So being able to just look up and be like, Okay, cool. That obstacle is going well. It's really helpful for him. I mean, it felt like we were appreciated, which is good because yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of work to, done by a lot of people to get that that run the way it did. Well, originally when we were discussing the possibility of putting it up there, they were saying, "Yeah, we could just toggle back and forth with the results because that's what, what they usually have up there." Yeah, but our live stream showed the results often. Yeah. So that ever even bothers to switch back over. Yeah, with all the graphics, some yeah. Yeah, so that was great. Um, we're starting to get into technical stuff, but you know, talking about the the women. Oh yeah, race. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Rogowski was pretty consistent. Didn't really seem to break down any. I didn't have the chance to talk to her too much, but I did hear she had a bit of a rougher start. Really, hearing. Um, and so I guess a little little slower, slower start and. And Callie was, Callie was with her for a decent amount, especially towards the end. It was looking pretty, pretty interesting. And this was good, uh, a good comeback for, for Callie in terms of like how things went last year, uh, which I wasn't there for. So maybe you could speak to a little bit more, but I know she got, she got cold. She got tired. And it looked like she made it both of those better. Yeah. Yeah. Last year she was just having a harder time towards the end. And uh, obviously she was still, you know, it was, it's still a hard race and she was, fighting and struggling but she was pushing you know she was in it she was able to push really hard and not uh not have to the bail out yeah and then shout out to steph bland uh who i had to look up the name because i kept forgetting although i know her her instagram steffy bs uh she did uh this was her first like world service mother i believe her first tough mother yeah i think so um i didn't have the chance to talk to her but she said that uh she's still in cloud and i thinking about this as for your kid we could set it's over. 
Uh, but she's so ready, so ready for another and sharing the podium with two amazing athletes. She's, she's just kind of still shocked, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. It was hard to tell, you know, being out on the course, I'm obviously I'm, I'm listening to the commentators in my ear the whole time. And, but I'm also focused on, you know, getting the shot and everything. So it's hard to always remember who's in the lead. Um, so when I see all these, these, uh, Bibs, uh, well, not the, the black bib. Yeah, they don't get the the lap leader bibs until after after twelve, after the end. The course closes. I can't. No, no, no. A little bit before that. I I can't remember either. Yeah, sometime in the morning. I just can't remember when. But so before that, it's just like yeah, all these people. It's like I know any of these people could be in the the top three, but it's hard to know who's who's where. Yeah. So saw her a lot. Um. But also saw like uh, Melissa Linden and yeah. like, is she in the top? I don't know. She's doing, she looks like she's doing really well. Yeah. She got, or got ninth, I believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this was her, her A goal and she had dealt with a, and can't forget, I think it was a calf strain yeah. for most RWC. And so she said she felt that with some obstacles that needed a burst of power, um, like well clung at Everest. So that, that's, it is tough. Yeah. And, Katie Knight got the, uh, I think she had some, some troubles, so she didn't, I wouldn't say she finished strong. Uh, she ended up in fourth, right? I thought fifth, fifth, hold that up now. So who was fourth then? Cause she, she was first place in her age group, which is, uh, interesting, interesting. Like obviously, you know, nothing to take away from her accomplishments, but, but she was champion in 21 second last year. Um, so just the way they do age groups, it's, it is interesting to see. I wonder how that. I wonder how that feels for for them. Okay, so I was way off. These this is the results going to topmoney.com, which I just pulled up. Actually, let me just refresh one more time. This doesn't seem right. But like, I think Trevor was on, you know, one of the age group podiums. He didn't. He didn't have his best race. Wow. No, this is right. So first was Chris. Second was Callie. Uh, third was Stephanie, as we said. Fourth was Nikki Caramba, yeah. who unfortunately I didn't. Uh, there's a lot of people that I wish I had the chance to talk to. Yeah. Uh, Jenny Overstreet took fifth, apparently. Oh, wow. I did not realize that. That's a sixth was Robin Costa. I don't know who she is. Uh, then Katie took seventh place. Jeez. Oh. Uh, Sarah Tucker was someone who took eighth place. I think I took a video of her. Uh, I think she was the first. Or she might have been the first woman to, to finish Spunky Monkey when that obstacle cool. opened up. Right. So we had a video of her. Then that was Melissa Linden. And 10th was Corinne Colin, who has the second most mileage of women. Yeah. And, and, and Pearl Swim Spotter. Yeah. Pretty awesome. She got 60. So yeah, that's a, that's a stack top 10. Yeah. That's really amazing. Now that while you're saying it, what's the uh, top 10? Name? Exactly. So uh, we were right about uh, Austin Azar, Michael Schwartz, Shit. Shit. Uh, Joseph Rocco. Uh, that's Fiore. That fifth was Christian Brown Johnson, who got a hundred miles. So we played a hundred miles. Not bad. Sixth place was Matthew Gill from Dip Sanity. He got uh, 90 miles. I know that he slept for a little bit too. It's mm. amazing hearing people sleep and still get 90 miles. Like, yeah. do you know what they, <laughs> how many days it would take me to get 90 miles? Uh, then there's uh Brant Baylor, Dot Baller. Not familiar with him. Eighth was Isaac Sanderson. Ninth, Grant Thompson. And 10th was Jay Fedig. Oh, I saw Jay quite a bit. Now I know who you are. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to remember how I know Isaac. I know I 
he can't remember where I've hung out with him. I need to ask him, but I forget him. He's a nice guy, though. I clicked it and it says he's Canadian, which I did not realize. I thought Austin was like the only, one of the only elites from uh, good old Canada. Yeah, either he, uh, he probably rabbited for me somewhere. That's probably what it is. Tomb Baby. Oh, the good dude. No, uh, but it's interesting to see guys like him. Like, I know he's doing well, but he's wearing a white bib. Yeah. Just because he didn't do anything else to, to qualify, you know? And I know they have, like, they, they will allow automatic qualifications for some, but I don't know uh, what that takes. Yeah. Or if he, you know, had enough accolades to be able to, to do that or not. Right. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Like a little bit about obstacles. Did we, did we mention the penalties? Because that's like a big discussion for this year. Penalties were massively long. Like, I don't think there was one that was, there was none that was just like a tenth of a mile. Like, no. they were all longer than that for sure. And uh, the shortest one that I know of, I think, was uh, Dingleberries when they, when they changed that from not the, you're no longer weighing the dirt or whatever just to have, a, like, a, a bucket. But the length was still, I mean, it was still a good little run. Was it? Yeah, I Because I, I went on most of them to experience it and get yeah. footage of what it was like. And, yeah, it was just like, wow, this is, because they would, I would go out on a penalty loop and they would be on my camera and then eventually they would switch off to something else or talk about the, the leaderboards and stuff and they would come back to me and I'd still be out running the penalty. Yeah. They were just long. The longest one by far. And I heard the X mileage. I heard anything from uh two thirds of a mile to three quarters of a mile uh was the uh the grappler. Yeah. The grappler. That was a doozy. The, the worst thing is when you're all the way out to like the furthest point of that penalty, you go through the swampy section, then you turn around, you see how far it is <laughs> to get back. Like you just see that little hill, like, oh that's the that's that one. Oh good. Yeah. And that was one of the few penalty loops that I didn't go on. So when I saw Jack's pictures showing somebody in this like knee deep water, I was like, yeah. where in the heck was that at? We, you best believe we, we drove to that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. So not only were they distance, but almost all of them had something to do, too. Yeah. So whether it was find a nickel and a bucket of quarters, Alice on that one. Yeah. Or uh, carry a plate with a balloon on it or carry a log and an egg at the same time. Just all kinds of random little things that made it not just pure running, which was good. I like that. Did you see the Everest one? Uh, yes. Oh, my God. That, quarter, that one. Yeah. Quarter mile run. To a ice bucket where you had to stick your hands in there of for course. 60 seconds. Yep. Full minute. And then after that, you needed to assemble uh, a thing of Legos. And there's a bunch. There's a robot. There's a car. There's an airplane. Yeah, it was like little six to eight piece Legos. And they had the instructions on the table to do it. Yeah. And shout out to the fact that there were like 10 volunteers there. So like, yeah, if that thing was full, there would be a volunteer for each person. But yeah. Massive, massive kudos from that. Yeah, that was cool. That one, when I was rushing that penalty loop, uh, something had happened in, in the at, at in the production booth. Okay, and so they needed me, which was you know, I was pretty close. So I was almost back to the tables where the Legos were, and I ran off course to go back to the to the pit area. And one of the volunteers was like, "Hey, hey, no, you come this way." Oh, that's oh, I heard you mention something about that. So I was. I just ignore them, but it was, I'm sure they were like, what the heck's happening? 
we're good for them for saying something. Yeah, you know, British brain happens, especially for for a long event like that. <laughs> um, absolutely, I walked I walked that penalty a couple times. Once in the middle of the night, just to get like the experience. Um, the big group of people. And then uh, the second time with Dirty D's sister, I want to say it's Alex or Alexis, um, who could on like right before uh, finishing the race, which was uh, like pretty awesome to get that on. Speaking of which, do you know if anybody got the 25 mile adaptive bib? I'm almost positive she did. Okay. I was, um, I, I can't, I don't know. I don't know how well, how many, uh, laps or how and Scaras did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely saw that come through at least four times. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's, that's pretty amazing as well. All right. Let's talk some technical stuff. All right. It's all you. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you know, check the, I know some old track. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, good. Three miles to the tariff. Uh, so we mentioned uh, Sam and Eric from Tough Motor, and I'm not. I'm wanting to say both of them are actually Spartan people, like they've been working for Spartan before doing stuff with Tough Motor. Because um, I, I know I recognize Sam from doing. I don't know. Yeah, IT stuff, I guess. And Eric, I know for sure he, he worked with him on Spartan stuff too. Uh, so yeah, so we got, we did the hot lap, everything was looking good. And then we get there Friday morning and I plug in the router and it would not connect to the internet. And the one, the thing that I, you know, when you're setting up, everybody asks, Hey, can I help? What can I do? So I gave Will the router with the, uh, antennas to screw them all in. So he's the one that screwed them all in. And I don't think, I don't know for sure if this was the problem, but I thought about it. Like, that's one thing I didn't try is moving, like, maybe, because there's one antenna that's a little messed up, so I don't know if there's an issue with it. So, like, maybe they, maybe the way he plugged them in wasn't right. I don't know. (laughs) That's that's why I just did the feed on the TV. Anyway, I knew I couldn't screw that one up. (laughs) So, yeah. um, So, that since that wasn't working, I went to Duff Mutter and said, hey, we don't have internet. I... I've been trying to figure it out. It was working yesterday. I can't get it. So if y'all, if it's at all possible for us to get on y'all's internet, please, that would, that, you know, that'll get us going. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. And so they got Sam uh, in touch with us and he came over and set up. So he got us connected first to make sure that it was all working. And then he went and got a, um, like a, yeah, basically like a, a, a point, like a hot hotspot point. Okay. So it's all they're running off of uh, Starlink, but then you you know you've got one satellite dish and it's only giving out so much Wi-Fi signal. So they have these um, extenders that they go and put out in different areas where they need them. So they gave us an extender right by our our booth, which was great, and it worked. It worked well. It worked the whole time, but they also had power go out at one point. Yes. And, uh, you know, along with that was the, the internet itself. And the only one that didn't panic was you. I'm <laughs> <laughs> to say that right now. But it, it, uh, I mean, it came back fairly quick, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, it really wasn't out that long. And the beauty of the way we do our setup now with the, the production computer being in the cloud is that the YouTube feed kept going and we just weren't able to switch cameras or commentate, but oh, any cameras that were up on screen just continued on as, as they were. Now, the production machine did crash at one point, 
And so there's a, you know, probably a few minute window where there was nothing because, uh, and now if you go back and watch it, YouTube actually automatically cuts that out. Like it recognizes that there was no data. Smart. So it just cuts it. So you may not even notice it while you're watching the live stream, but, um, yeah, we're getting close to where I got to turn here. Lame paying attention where we're at. Um, 30 east. And so the, the whole machine went down and I just had to basically start up the cloud machine again and start up vMix and wait for the show to load because it's got to load all the inputs and everything. And it, so it takes a few minutes for that to happen. But, uh, as soon as it comes back up, we're just, you know, back and rolling because the YouTube feed itself has an option for, um, auto start and auto end. So basically when you start sending video, it starts streaming automatically and I turn off auto end. So that way, whenever it dies, uh, it just, it just keeps rolling. Yeah. And so that way, when we reconnect and start streaming again, it just picks right back up where it left off, which is fantastic. So stupid question. The production computer that crashed is the one that was at your house. No, that one's in the cloud. Okay. I stopped using the one at my house because, um, for one, I moved and my internet's not nearly as good as it was. And two, the, it is possible. It's happened to me before where my computer at home was not responding. Like I couldn't get into it. And so other than the fact that my wife was home and I was able to call her and wake her up at the time and tell her, go restart my computer. I, if nobody was home, there's no way I would have gotten it yeah. back up because there have been nobody to do it. So going to a cloud machine alleviates that. I don't have to worry about, you know, if nobody's at home in the house. So it works. And, and issues that we had at, at OCRWC, as far as like not being able to get all the video feeds in, um, that has been alleviated. I know what the issue was. And, uh, I thought that I needed a better cloud machine, like with more higher specs, but it turns out I didn't. I just needed to check a couple of tick boxes. And so now, uh, you know, we're using the lower end machine that I was originally started with. And now it all, it all works great. Like we, like it handled, you know, us having two cameras from rabbits, having, um, four, five cameras for the static cameras. And it was all good. Um, now one thing we always had a drone in the production because, uh, this guy Rod, who, uh, just randomly told Tough Mudder, Hey, can I help? Because I can't race. And, uh, so they, they pointed them towards us and we, uh, messed around with it in, in during the hot lot and it was working great. And we came and got him, uh, you know, tried to get him connected on uh, Friday morning and it just wouldn't connect. It was super weird because I used the same connection method with my phone and it worked fine. But for whatever reason, we could not get his to connect. So it was, I know he stayed out there and got footage, but it was really unfortunate. Like we almost, we were so close to having a drone shot for could you imagine the drone shot for the takeoff when everybody first starts? I mean, that would have been so good. Sorry, we got my mind on Six Flags. That's okay. Yeah. Like, I'm asking Six Flags. Oh, so six Flags. I'm like, I want to go to Six Flags. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he, uh, 
He did get us some footage. I know that I just wasn't part of the the live feed, which is yeah. So, but so we really appreciate uh, you know his efforts, and um, he, he seemed like a pretty good drone pilot. I was watching him, you know, practice and stuff, and he was like flying through the um, through the start shoot and everything. Probably fun. Was cool. I'm sure, he had a good time with that. And then he was. It was also his uh, his birthday the day of the hot lap too. Yeah, which was a cool. Didn't sound like he had a good weekend. This was his first World Tennis Center experience, and hopefully we'll see him again, even if he is uh, running. Yeah. Um, and then throughout the show, it was just all kinds of little random things that would happen. Like I would go be out on course and they would text me and be like, this, this laptop, uh, is froze or this laptop dis disconnected from the internet or, um, we can't get the, um, the, the, one of the data fields in the, uh, in the leaderboards is, is not right. You know, just little, little random things. Um, so I would run back in, take care of it and go back out on course. But, uh, you know, talking about Eric Keen, we'll get some heavy traffic here. Eric Keen does the, uh, timing for Spartan and for, he's like one of their main guys that does their timing. He was at OCRWC. I heard good things about him. Yeah. He, he's been, he's been extremely helpful. He seems like, um, like he, he works with race results. And he, he seems like he knows the system very well, and he's able to basically set up the the information the way I need it, and then he can just copy and paste it. Because usually we need like one leaderboard for the men, one for the women, and then you know maybe some other stuff. So he's able to set up one and then just copy and paste the like headers that we need and stuff. So uh, seems like it's probably not. A ton of extra work on his end. I don't. I don't know for sure, but I'm very thankful for the efforts that he does put in to get that stuff for us, because it makes it to where all of our graphics just update automatically. It's just fantastic. Yeah, there in like again whenever there was like a slight problem, like oh, it's listing these names uh, alphabetized or whatever. Like well, let, let's like work together and figure out how to fix this. And, like there's so many, yeah, so many minute details that it seems borderline impossible to keep track of all of them. Especially such a small team, but yeah, so I was out on course and I could hear. Hill coming up and talking to Will and Francesca and and saying, oh, it's it's supposed to be, it's not the rank column, it's the gender column that that he needs to use. And I was like, oh, I and I remembered, oh, I changed that because I thought that rank was what, you know, what makes sense. I didn't, but that was before the race started, so I didn't realize that that wasn't changing. Uh, that was just everybody's. It actually wasn't rank. It was everybody's where they were in the list of al alphabetized right. racers. Um, so I was able to come in and there's a few things that happened and I was able to stop streaming, uh, remote into the laptop that they were, that was at the production desk and then like a look at and make sure it's something. Oh, that's what it was. Their, um, audio was my audio. They were not able to hear the, the audio from the cameras on course. Um, Will and Francesca. Okay. And so when I was on course, I remoted into the computer and I was looking around trying to figure it out. And I was like, oh shoot, this one, the, the audio that they're hearing, the audio bus that they're hearing, uh, was all, was turned down like halfway. Cause I remember what I'm saying earlier is like, Will said that he could hear s something like a little bit, like he had heard me at some point. So it's not like it was just off. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's just turned down. Why is this turned down? So I turned the, you know, Turned it up and it was all good. Um, I know the audio for the on-course cameras can be better. 
I think it sounds pretty good when it comes straight out of like from the phone itself. But I was with the app that we use, I was having a hard time getting it to use the phone audio, but let me hear it in Bluetooth headphones. And that's what I want, but I had to switch it to where it was picking up from the Bluetooth headphones. So if there ever is a point on course where I like my audio, I know when we were in the pit walking around, it doesn't sound amazing. Right. Um, and I think that's why, because it was just coming through the Bluetooth headphones. Yeah, I was a little nervous when I was uh, taking some Instagram stories. Uh, Kaden said she was watching the live feed and she's like, oh, the Instagram stories sound a lot better than the live feed right now. Yeah. Um, and I, I panicked. I, I couldn't find you. And then eventually I texted her because it's still bad. She's like, no, I cleared it up. So it would be a difference there. Yeah, the, um, you know, the, the priority of things that that you need to get right in a, in a live production, um, having cameras up is obviously priority one. Because otherwise you got no show if you don't have this. If you have a show underneath. Yeah. Or yeah, connection connection to the show and, and the camera's actual footage of the the event. Um, and then secondary is kind of like getting the, the commentators into the show. Um, now, audio quality is a lot further down the list. Like if you've got audio, that's that's more important than if the audio quality is good. Yeah. Um and and then color correction like that's one that's like at the very bottom of the list if the show if it's videos there that's great but if the color quality the color correction is perfect or not that's the the last thing on my mind so that does get so you know depending on how well everything else is going sometimes that stuff gets addressed but sometimes it doesn't just because you're focused on the other more important stuff so uh, what else? Lots of little things. Like at one point I had to come back in and I was all the way out at in stock and dirt. And I was like, I could run back in and, and just like keep on filming. But as I pass obstacles, I'm not going to stop because I need to get back to fix something. So I went ahead and just set my camera down and let it stay looking at stock and dirt. And I ran all the way back and, and then came back, got the camera and, w- and went on there. So they had a nice long period where they were on the obstacle, which is great. The, uh, the, the static cameras on course worked really well. I, I could better manage the batteries on those. Um, so they all had like battery packs. They all have good batteries, but the cameras themselves only last about six hours and the hotspots that they're using can last up to 24 hours kind of depending on like does this did the screen automatically shut off you know there's little things like that um so over the course of this event they both level need to get charged at some point yeah so it's I, I think it's preferable and this is what i tried to do to go ahead and have them on a battery uh, uh like plugged into a uh, a battery pack and so that worked well to extend their life but eventually they still died they had to go get an you know bring a new battery now my issue is that i think i only had for five cameras only had the six battery packs which means i didn't really have enough to swap them all out at one time you know so i kind of had to juggle them to to get them um to make sure they were there were still some running so there was a point in time where there there weren't a ton of they were there was only a couple of them up yeah the cameras were also very effective in, in helping me uh 
re-realized that my fear of heights is back. Uh, when the camera kept getting kicked on uh, Butterhorn, I'm climbing up there and, you know, trying to fix the camera, like, <laughs> hoping I'm not going to get, you know, shaken off. I fixed it. Belief. When this kid at night, and I got to the bottom, and then someone kicked it again. Yeah. <laughs> and then luckily Jack was up there taking pictures, so we're yelling at him, fix the camera. Yeah, I couldn't believe how many times I got kicked. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we forgot him on course after the race was over. <laughs> I felt so bad because I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. And then like a butterfly flew by and I was no longer thinking about it. But that's what happens when you're up for so long. Yeah. Now I'll, I'll mention a little more technical thing when we're at the airport. So I'll, we'll wrap it up. But um, the uh, the brunch, the awards ceremony, uh, again, priority of, of things, order of priority. Uh, the audio was not great in there. And... The audio was just coming from the camera. Uh, so we've already started thinking about how ways that we can make that live stream better. One, um, you know, they have their own microphone, but it is possible that we could either just plug in a microphone into that camera just to have a better microphone rather than the internal microphones. Or we could you could get lavaliers that would plug in. So the receiver would plug into that and then you can give the uh, people on stage lavalier mics lavalier is like a collar and yeah can I, okay right um so that's a possibility but then that might play with like how do we get the audio from the videos that play but if we get the video from them we can just cut straight to the video and and actually play it while it's playing in real life that way it's a much cleaner version rather than just a pic a shot of the screen um which you know doesn't look super you know it's not crazy clear it's a big giant bright led screen um so that and if the and the PowerPoint that they use, because I was just zooming into a shot of the close shot of the screen, uh, and I had to adjust the brightness a lot because it was real bright behind the people. Uh, so I would have to turn down the brightness or turn it up so you could either see the people's faces or see the screen, just depending on what you needed. So having the PowerPoint um, for me to swap to would be, I think, way better. So. Lots of things to improve, but overall, it was a fantastic event. It went really well. I think everybody was very ex excited about having the live stream and and how it all went. So, how do you feel about the, the views? I mean, obviously, it's yeah, people still yeah to to watch all of it too. But it's well, just, pretty high already. Yeah, just the day after, we it's, it's already got the amount of views that the races from last year have. You know, a year later on the Tough Mudder account. Yeah, yeah. And I know there's not a lot of people watching it, uh, you know, later on, you know, 24 hour race, but, I'm, um, <laughs> yeah, some people will for sure. But, uh, so yeah, it's a very, very pleased with it. It seems like we got the word out there and, and, uh, people were like, lots of people were really active in the comments and everybody's having a good time. Shout out to the other rabbits. Oh yeah. Uh, Dustin Durow rabbited with me and, um, Carla did it. Mm -hmm. Carly did a bit. Did he? Thought he did. I know he was doing, uh, and I mean, unless he took Dustin's camera, because I never set him up with it. He had a camera on the, on the thing. It was like Dustin, Carlo, Jason. Right. But we, yeah, we never actually put him oh. in the production. Well, that explains why he was confused when he interviewed him last night. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I was like, I thought you did both. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, our team overall, everybody, Jack, Carlo, you, Will, Francesca, Dustin, uh, did Awesome. Everybody worked really well together, and, and I think we just put on a, a great show, um, and, which included you getting tons of 
interviews. Will getting interviews after the fact. Right. Uh, and and um, Carlo doing you and Carlo doing a crapload of um, it's what sort of so yeah social media stuff. Something else that I think we can do a lot better with next year. This is a job that I absolutely want to take on. It's having more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to be like that relay that like touched the pit. And so we can have more information of like how everyone's feeling uh, and getting more information about the athletes out there because I have pretty good rapport with um, all the athletes. I'll be there. There's some that I did recognize uh, that I'll have to reach out to and start getting to know a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it'd be cool to have some more information so they could talk more about like how the athletes are feeling. Just, just, just some more details to, to add to it. Yeah. And also uh, Francesca had some great ideas about how we can, um, put information like news about the race on the screen right. um because people are constantly asking about how's michael doing how's michael doing and you know not everybody's watching the entire thing so having a way to showcase that stuff so that people can keep up to date with what's going on in the race i think will really help even more next year i guess scrolling like breaking news banner kind of thing at the bottom something like that something where the screen goes in and you've got the, t- the side and the bottom to put information lots of different ways we can do it i think so very excited Mike, thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.